in the marshlands of central Florida. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. A heavy, ominous stillness falls over the swamp. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this Tuesday edition. You're listening to the day the show is uploaded. It is February 27th. Episode number 1,535. Right next to me is... Jenny! I got one name! Jenny! Hello, everybody! Hello, everybody! Hi! Hi! I'm your host, Patrick Riley. Hello, handsome! You're a good-looking fellow, do you know that? People laugh at you. People hate you, but why do they hate you? Because they are jealous! Look at that boyish face. Look at that sweet smile. You are not evil. You are good. Oh yes, that is that. Somebody has got it right there. Please uh, share that with your friends. I, I I am good. And right next to me, somebody who's good. Well, they're good, and they're something else. No one. And that is Kimmy, for those who don't know. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. And how are you? Okay. And welcome to this Tuesday edition of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Thank you very much. Tuesday. You can listen to the Riley and Kimmy show Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday morning, midday, late at night, anytime. Matter of fact, it doesn't have to be just Tuesday. It can be any day of the week because we have a brand new show every single day. You you heard right. Tell your friends you found a place that offers pop culture escapism daily. Brand new shows every single day. You can find archive shows on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. And you can listen very, very easily. Go anywhere with us to work, the commute. Oh, in class, escape there if you'd like, or if you happen to be, oh, stuck somewhere for an extended period of time. You can take us easily on iHeartRadio, iTunes, and SoundCloud platforms. Those links available on our website, along with celebrity interviews we've done, pop culture stories, and also recent videos and photos of events that we've been at, and also social media links, best way to communicate with the Riley and Kimmy Show, and to stay in touch where we will be next appearing, and where we'll be appearing next, and also easy ways for you to be a winner. So follow us on Facebook, share that with your friends, also Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and other social media. You can find all those links on our website. What is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com Culture Escapism, The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play again? That is the question for this Tuesday. Does Kimmy want to challenge her brain cells with some trivia? Pop culture trivia. 
What say you on this Tuesday, Kimmy? Well, sure. All right. The timeline has been adjusted. That means it's not in chronological or linear order. Feel free to shout out answers to whatever listening device you have the Riley and Kimmy show playing on right now. And it could be anything because we are mobile and we are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. And Kimmy actually believes in time travel answers. So she who is in your future and you are in her past can communicate. She believes this. So help her out with some answers. Very first question we have for you, Kimmy, is in the world of magazines. Give us the year within five years. People magazine was first out. When did it first come out? Mm. People magazine. That's one that has people in it. 1975? Kimmy, you are a people groupie or something. It's 1974 that that happened. Hmm. You're you're on the plus side right now. All right. You think you can continue on the plus side? Ooh, we'll see. We're going to go to medicine and technology here as your next category. How do you how do you feel about that one? Mm, Confident? I, I, I don't know. All right. Looking for an answer here, giving you a 20-year plus or minus. The Charlotte Observer publishes a picture of an X-ray photograph. The photograph showed a perfect picture of all bones of a hand and a bullet. That someone had placed between the third and fourth fingers in the palm. This is the first published photo of an x-ray. 20 years, Kimmy, plus or minus. 1880? Kimmy does get this quite easily, but she's a little early, actually. It's a little later than that. It was 1896 that that happened. I'm sure that freaked out some people, though, seeing that, mm-hmm. that photography. Don't, don't you think? In 1896 oh, yeah. mindset. Mm-hmm. The year. Nah. Judges say, go decade. Don't do years. Okay. All right. Decade. The 22nd Amendment to the United States Constitution was ratified. Kimmy, not going to ask you what the the constitutional amendment is, but the 22nd Constitutional Amendment is limiting the United States president's term to two terms. Okay? Couldn't have more than two. You can only be president two times, and that's it. Got it? Mm -hmm. All right. When did this happen? The 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, or 1950s? 1950s. You're right. Happened 1951. Kind of set you up there because 30s and 40s, FDR, you know, was in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. The year, Kimmy, is 1963, and we move to the world of baseball. Mickey Mantle signs a baseball contract worth $100,000. What team is he playing for when he signs that $100,000 contract? The Yankees. You're right. New York Yankees. The year is 1967. We have impossible music trivia for you, Kimmy. Although this group has a unique sound, you might be able to identify the answer. It's this group's first single. They record it on this date. It is their first single. The year is 1967. Nineteen sixty-seven. It is their first single. Can you identify who it is? The who? That is a that is a very good guess. I, I give you credit there. I can see why you thought that. It's Pink Floyd. In the years nineteen sixty-seven, oh. a song that was what well, had very limited airplay in Britain, and then it would eventually be banned when people realized what it was about. And we're not going to tell you what it's about. The years nineteen. Just to be, I'm, don't feel like you know. That's mean. Why should we? Why should we give spoilers? Enjoy the song. Mm. Right? It's about cross-dressing. 
Oh. And they were a little freaked in 1967 about that. Okay. That's what it was about. The year is 1968. This news anchor delivers a scathing editorial on the Vietnam War. Tell me who the anchor is. Here's your clue. To say that we are closer to victory today is to believe, in the face of the evidence, the optimists who have been wrong in the past. To suggest we are on the edge of defeat is to yield to unreasonable pessimism. To say that we are mired in stalemate seems the only realistic, if unsatisfactory, conclusion. On the off chance that military and political analysts are right, in the next few months we must test the enemy's intentions in case this is indeed his last big gasp before negotiations. But it is increasingly clear to this report that the only rational way out then will be to negotiate, not as victors, but as an honorable people who lived up to their pledge to defend democracy and did the best they could. Can you identify who that was? Walter Cronkite. That's right, 1968, the year we're moving to 1970. It's a music question, Kimmy. This group was fined $100,000 for using profanity during a concert in Oklahoma City. Tell me the name of the band. One pill makes you larger and one pill makes you small. And the ones that mother gives you don't do anything. Who is it, Kimmy? 1970. Jefferson Airplane. You got it exactly right. Uh, you could have said Starship, could have said Jefferson Starship, but no, you got the exact, the right one, Jefferson Airplane. Don't know if they were swearing around White Rabbit, I, I don't know. The year is 1980, the 22nd Grammy Awards occurred. This song wins the Song of the Year and the Record of the Year. Tell me the name of the hit, Kimmy. And the name of the song. What a fool believes. Can you tell me who had that as a hit? Michael McDonald. Ah, he sings it. He's the singer, the lead singer, and he. Doobie Brothers. It is the Doobie Brothers. Uh, you, you're right. About, that was going to be a question I was going to ask you. Who who was the lead singer? It is Michael McDonald. He also co-wrote it with Kenny Loggins. Oh. And that was a that was an extremely big hit. I like that song. It's one of my favorites of the Doobie Brothers. I love Michael McDonald and, mm -hmm. and his uh, his vocals. The year is 1981. This song is recorded. Kimmy, tell me the name of the hit. It would become extremely big. Matter of fact, number one in Britain. Number one, uh, let's see, number one in the United States on the Billboard Hot 100 and the adult contemporary charts at the same time. We all know that people are the same wherever you go. There is good and bad in everyone. Learn to live, learn to give each other what we need to survive. Can you tell me the name of that song? Ebony and Ivory. Ebony and Ivory live together in perfect 
And that duet was done by whom? Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder. That's right. The year is 1990. This single's released. It would become the Billboard Song of the Year for 1990. Tell me who had this as a hit. Who is it, Kimmy? Wilson Phillips. That's right. Staying in 1990, this person's first concert tour begins. It happens in Pensacola, Florida. Tell me the name of that world tour, Kimmy. The name of the tour is taken from a hit record of this person. Tell me the name of the tour. And the name of the tour. Rhythm Nation. Whose tour was it, Kimmy? Janet Jackson. That's right. The year's 1991. This person was paroled from prison after serving two years. He had been sentenced to six years in prison after leading police on an interstate car chase. Who is it? Who is it? James Brown. That's right. The year's 1992. At the age of 16, he becomes the youngest PGA golfer in 35 years. Who is it? Tiger Woods. That's right. You're on a roll. The year's 1997. This person receives a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Tell me who it is. Hey, man. Welcome aboard. I can guarantee you'll enjoy the ride, especially if you like your soul ice cold, because none other than the Iceman himself is going to be looking you right dead in your eyes after this very important message. And that brings us to the end of what we hope has been a beautiful trip for you and what certainly has been a groovy ride for me. We thank you for joining us. We thank our very exciting guests, Gladys Knight in the Pips, the Honeycone, Bobby Hutton, special guest Eddie Kendricks, and of course, the Soul Train Gang. Hope you'll climb aboard next week on these same stations and you can bet your last money it's all going to be a stone gas, honey. Always in parting, we're going to wish you love. Peace and soul. 1997, he got the Hollywood Walk of Fame star. Who is it? Don Cornelius. You're on a roll, Kimmy. 2000 ABC TV airs a TV movie about this group. Tell me the name of the group. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. I'm backing up good vibrations. She's giving me the And the name of the band, Kimmy? The Beach Boys. Yeah, it's the Beach Boys. Yeah, the Beach Boys. Did you see that TV movie? Nope. All right, Kimmy, you have not missed one in a while. How are you feeling about this? Pretty good. Uh, all right, I think it's going to change next. Celebrity and notable birthdays. This person born 1807. A poet, Kimmy, known for the song of Hiawatha and known for this one. The Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. Who is it? Hawthorne? No, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. 
And my, matter of fact, what's interesting is when he wrote uh, the the Paul Revere ride poem. Paul Revere was in obscurity in America, hmm. and his some criticize it because it's not exactly historically accurate. The mm-hmm. poem, you know the poem, correct? Mm-mm. All right, I want to ask you to recite that one, Kimmy. Next person, Kimmy, born 1902, writer. During his writing career, he authored 27 books, including 16 novels, six nonfiction books, and two collections of short stories. Tell me who it is. His big works, East of Eden, 1952, Of Mice and Men, 1937, The Red Pony in 1937, and the Pulitzer Prize winning The Grapes of Wrath, 1939, considered a masterpiece. Who was born 1902? (laughs) 1902, Kimmy, you could do this. Take a guess. Mm. John? Yes. John something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John something. Yes, can you give me the something? Houston? At least she tried. John Steinbeck. Born, Steinbeck. <laughs> born on this date, 1902. Died 1968 at the age of 66. Let's see if you paid attention to history class and old news footage, Kimmy, and maybe the movie JFK. This person, born 1917, died 1993 at the age of 76. He was the governor of Texas when John Kennedy was assassinated. He was in the automobile, the limo with him, and he was wounded. Who, Who is it? Who was born on this date? The, the name of the governor of Texas at the time. I can't recall. John Conley, born on this date, 1917, died 1993 at the age of 76. Next person, actress, born on this date. Once you identify her, tell me how old she is within five years. She's best known for her Academy Award winning role in The Three Faces of Eve in 1957. She married Paul Newman in 1958 and remained married for 50 years until Newman's death in 2008. Can you tell me the name of the actress? Joanne Woodward. That's correct. How old is she today within five years? 86. Almost got it, but you got it within five. She's 88 today. Identify the next person, Kimmy. Actress, born on this date, 1932. She was married eight times to seven men. Here is your clue, her talking about marriages. Well, uh, I'm sure you were very cautious. This last time. Uh, I never thought I'd get married again. I wasn't married for 11 years, which for me is history making. (laughs) And uh, I think the circumstances under which we met, you know, to go through therapy together at Betty Ford, you get to know each other really well. I mean, there are no secrets. And we give each other great support in our sobriety. And the is a kind of closeness that is like nothing show businessy. It's very private and very profound. Can you tell me who that is? Elizabeth Taylor. That's correct. Now, she acted, it's kind of surprising, she acted on a daytime soap opera, November of 1981 in some episodes. She played an evil socialite. Can you tell me what soap opera? General Hospital.
let's just see how big of a freak Kimmy is because she was a big-time watcher of General Hospital, grew up in a household uh, that watched General Hospital. So she, you know, by default knows General Hospital, especially a certain time period. Now, Elizabeth Taylor did appear on the show. Can you tell me the name, maybe not the first name, but the last name of the character, the evil character she played? She was part of Const- a fan. Constantine? That's... <laughs> She, Considine? That will take it. The judge says, "Don't." Uh, all three judges they say, "Give it to her." It's Cassadine. Uh, she played Helena Cassadine. You, you got it. Uh, it was amazing that you were able to do that. I probably could ask a thousand or ten thousand people that one at random. Nobody would even get that close. Next individual, Kimmy. Tell me uh, who it is. He's 84 years old today. A consumer advocate, also involved in politics. He ran for president in 1972. 76, 92, 96, 2000, and 2008. He's not shy in front of the camera. Tell me who it is. The reason why the camera is here is Canadian TV is doing a little feature. And given what we've done to that poor country up north, uh, we have to reciprocate with a little courtesy. It was really easy because, I mean, people were concerned. The Vietnam War, the draft, uh, the colleges were in turmoil. The civil rights battles uh, were going on. There's legislation. Uh, it was always on TV. And uh, it's an interesting combination that the illumination of the intellect of people who were in charge and could have done something had to come from the fires in the streets, from the disturbances. Can you tell me who that is? Me don't know. Wow. You don't remember Ralph Nader. Mm. Ralph Nader celebrating his 84th birthday. Next person, actor having a birthday. Once you identify who it is, you have a five-year plus or minus, Kimmy. He was part of two television shows. He, he he was big in both of them. The last TV show was from 1986 to 1990, and he walked away from it. It went another season without him. Tell me the name of the TV show, if you can. <laughs> Impossible TV theme. I don't think Kimmy can do it. Can I don't think I, I, I think I can play out for a thousand people and they wouldn't know what that is. Can you tell me what that TV show was? Mm, nope. I'll give you one extra clue. Robin Givens co-starred with this mystery birthday person. Lives of the Rich and Famous? <laughs> That's that's Robin. Robin Leach. Oh. <laughs> Robin Givens. Not, oh, my. Livestock? No, no. Okay, Kimmy. Uh, the the TV show was called Head of the Class. You obviously don't remember this person on that show or even watch that show. You know him for this program. Tell me who is having a birthday. Well, it's goodbye to the elevator music. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Cincinnati, it is time for this town to get down. 
Johnny. Dr. Johnny Fever, and I am burning up in here. What? We all in critical condition, babies. But you can tell me where it hurts, because I got the healing prescription here from the big... And can you tell me, Kimmy, who that is? Who it is? Yes, who's having a birthday? Howard Hessman? Yes, from the TV show. WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, well, he was part of WKRP, and then I was before going to the head of the class, which he was on from 86 to 1990. Can you tell me how old Howard Hessman is today? 72. Howard Hessman is celebrating his 78th birthday today. Next person, born in the state 1943, an actress best known for her role on this TV series. It aired originally on CBS. Can you identify it? Can you identify the TV show? Murder, She Wrote? No, it's a comedy. This is a comedy. I'll give you just a fun extra clue. One of the actors was not the star but one who was on the show was tom poston can you tell me the name of that tv series newhart yes it's newhart she played bob's wife can you tell me who she is just relax everything's gonna be fine i'm joanna and this is dick dr kaiser i think what dick meant to say is we're stagnating our marriage should be more of a what's the word uh Whirlwind. There's a certain sameness about our life together. Can you tell me who that is? I cannot. Did you ever watch the show? Uh Uh-huh. All right. It's Mary Fran, born in the state 1943, died 1998 at the age of 55, died in her sleep, they think, of a heart attack. Wow. Next individual. Tell me how old this person is once you identify who she is. She's the only child of a recent president, a president in the last 30 years. She is the only child of this president. Recently, in the last five years, she went on a campaign trail for her mother. Can you identify who she is? For me, um, one of the great just joys last year while um, kind of advocating for my mom, whom I am unabashedly, unapologetically, deeply biased toward. Uh, she uh, <laughs> remains just Shit. such an inspiration to me, um, was getting to become Aiden's mom. And I took Aiden with me on the campaign trail. And so I'm really grateful to everyone um, on my mom's remarkable campaign team who helped organize events so I could kind of do an event, breastfeed, do an interview, breastfeed, do an event, breastfeed, <laughs> pump, do an interview, breastfeed. I mean, there was a lot of logistics last yeah. year that had to be navigated, and Aiden was just an amazing little traveler, and I'm so, so lucky to be his mom. Can you identify who that is? Chelsea Clinton. And how old is she today? 30. She's 38 today. I see dead people. Celebrity and notable deaths. Famous people who died on this date. 
Tell me who died on this date, Kimmy, at the age of 74. Here's your clue. It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling. You're growing inside. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day. Who is it, Kimmy? Fred Rogers. That's right. Dies on this date at the age of 74. What year, within five years, did Fred Rogers pass on? 2012. Fred Rogers died 2003. The year is 1968. This singer dies at the age of 25 of a heroin overdose. He dies at his grandmother's right on right on the floor. She discovers him dead. Can you tell me who it is, Kim? He's known for this big hit from 1956, Why Do Fools Fall in Love? Can you tell me who that was, Kimmy? Ooh, I don't think so. Uh, you didn't really pay attention to the American Graffiti movie or soundtrack. That's Frankie Lyman, who died at the age of 25. And that song was huge, by the way. Number six on the Billboard Pop Singles and number one on the R&B charts in 1956. Next person, tell me what year they passed once you identify who it is. We will give you a plus or minus of two years. This actor dies at the age of 83. Here's your clue. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Their ongoing mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life forms and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Can you tell me who that was? Leonard Nimoy. Correct. What year did he pass on within two years? 2016. He died 2015. Next person passed on 2016. An American actor died at the age of 91. He appeared in more than 200 film and TV productions. He played opposite Paul Newman in Cool Hand Luke, winning the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Tell me who it was. I had primarily played bad guys. Bad guys who lost. I mean, I lost everybody. Put me on the screen, and it was like, what page do I die on? In Cool Hand Luke, there's a big fight scene. It was important to me because, you know, I finally want to fight. We shot it for three days. Um, you'll see that the, it's all fallen me. But you fall down on hard ground for three days, or you roll around with each other and what have you. At the end of three days, you, you're really tuckered out. And we both were. Stay down. You're beat. Can you tell me who died 2016, Kimmy? James Coburn? No, that's a good guess. Not Mr. Coburn. I love his voice. Actually, Coburn's is probably even deeper than that. But that's a very good guess. Here's one more clue for you, Kimmy. He appeared for a period of time on the TV series Dallas. You're crazy if you think you can get away with this. If this was deliberate, I'll not only destroy your company, I'll see that you both hang. The Coast Guard gave me full confirmation. My super tanker, completely filled with heavy crude, was rammed dead on by a Ewing oil tanker. What? Oil is leaking out all over the Gulf, and you're sitting here having dinner? Don't give me that crap. 
You never heard of the faraway hill out of Maracaibo, Venezuela? Can you tell me who it is, Kimmy? I can't. He appeared as a guest on a fantastic episode of Wings, and that as himself. He had groupies in the thing that was just bothering him to death at that small airport. It's George Kennedy, who died on this day, 2016, at the age of 91. I think you did a, well, reasonably, a, well, you did an okay job, Kimmy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we're going to go back in time and honor something we talked about on Trivia with the Golden Age of Radio. Radio was new. Radio, someone still loves you. Actress Elizabeth Taylor was born on this date in 1932. No stranger to the golden age of radio. We have a special old-time radio production. Now, this is not audio lifted from a movie. This is an independent radio production that she starred in. It's National Velvet. Now, have you seen the movie National Velvet that she appeared in? Yes. Well, if you've seen the movie, you can listen to this and enjoy it because it's an independent production. Or if you've never seen the movie, you can listen to this and then go watch the film and it won't be spoiled. Joining Elizabeth Taylor in this radio production is Mickey Rooney. This is a fantastic piece of radio production. Please be forgiving for the sound quality. It was recorded many years ago on equipment that's far in, well, inferior to today's standard. Going back in time to 1947, here's Elizabeth Taylor, National Velvet, on The Riley and Kimmy Show. Three weeks now, I'd been on the road, and sundown this day, I'd be in the village of Sewell's. For someone lived in Sewell's whom my father once knew. I was resting at the crossroads when I saw them, a girl and a horse. Running away, the horse was, and there was the child cutting the beast off and stopping him, like she'd been doing it every day of her life. Whoa, boy! Whoa! Oh, what a lovely boy he is. Oh, you're a sweet one. I don't know how you I was trying to slip a halter on him when he tore loose. What's his name, Mr. E? He's a murderous pirate not deserving of a name. Oh, no, not pirate. He's a gentle one. Aren't you, boy? I'll just call him Pie. Oh, you're a pretty one, Pie. Trouble with you, Velvet. You love any horse, don't you? Oh, yes. Yes, Mr. E. I still don't know how you stopped him. A little one like you. Come on, you robber, you pirate. Come along here. Should be in school, shouldn't you, girl? Oh, Oh, I didn't see you. Well? School's over. It's summer holidays. Where are you going? To that village. My father's the butcher there. That's nice. I have two sisters and a brother. That makes it chummy. What have you got? The whole world. My father left it to me. Isn't Pie beautiful? Who? Mr. Reed's horse. I grant she's got vinegar. Short back, well ribbed. Nice mover, all right. The way he jumped the pasture fence. I gotta be jumping, too. I got business in Sewell's. Who is? Mrs. Herbert Brown. But, but that's my mother. It is, huh? Honest, honest she is. And I'm Velvet Brown. Velvet? What kind of a name is that? Queer as my own. Is it? Hmm? I'm called Mai. Mai Taylor. Mai. Hmm. And you know about horses, don't you? What if I do? Oh, but to know about horses is wonderful. Come on, Mai. I'll take you to my mother. What did you say your name is, boy? Uh, oh, Mai Taylor, ma'am. Where does he come from? 
I found him, Father. I found him on the road. Is that any excuse for being late for supper? Come eat, boy, eat. Uh, oh, uh, thank you, sir. Velvet, sit down. Yes, Father. This is my sister Edwina, my sister Malvolia, and my brother Donald. Uh, how do you do? How do you do? Eat your supper, Donald. I am. You're just rolling it around and around. Now swallow. I can't swallow. It isn't slighty. I was sick all night. Donald, you're telling a story. Yes, Father. And you know what a story is? What is it? Never mind. Just say you're sorry. I'm sorry, Father. Well, you're sorry for what? For being sick all night. That boy will be a lawyer one day. Velvet, what are you doing? It's my brace, Father. My brace hurts my teeth when I eat. Hurt or no hurt, that brace costs four pounds ten. How many times must I tell you? Do you want a face like a rabbit? She'd rather have a face like a horse. That's enough, Mally. Now then, Mr. Taylor, you something to tell me about your father? Uh, <clears throat> yes, ma'am. Well, I, uh, I showed you your name in his address book, ma'am. Yes? And, and uh, you said that you knew him. Did I? So I... Oh, well, I, I found the book among my father's belongings after he died, and I, I thought that since I was passing through Sewell's, that maybe you... Well, maybe you could, uh... Biscuit. No. No, thanks, ma'am. I, I think I'd better be getting along before it gets too dark. Where will you go? If you stay on the road, you're sure to find another town. Yes, but it's harder to find on an empty stomach. You can go after supper. Mrs. Brown, please to pass the potatoes. Velvet. I'm worried about Father. Father, are you sure you feel well? I thought I told you to leave us alone for a few minutes. Your mother and I are talking to Mr. Taylor. But if you don't feel well, don't you think you'd better have a helper in the butcher shop? I never felt better in my life. Just for the summer. There's more sheep come to market in summer than winter. Yes, that's true. But however it may grieve you, child, I feel fine. Now then, Mr. Taylor. If she's talking about me being a butcher's helper, she's wasting her breath. Well, that's agreed. Still, there's a small bed in the stable, Mr. Brown. Yes, there is, Mrs. Brown. You can have it for tonight, my Taylor. Oh, thank you, Mother. Thank you, Father. Well, show him to the stable, Velvet, and then get to bed. Maybe I'd rather not stay. I Then show him to the road. I'll stay. Uh, just for tonight, though, thank you. <coughs> What are you doing, Mrs. Brown? Working on the account books. Did you forget you brought home 12 pounds cash? Or put the money away till morning. You look tired. It's you must conserve yourself. After all, more sheep in summer. Now you know there's small sense in hiring that boy. You could do worse, Mr. Brown. Ten bob would be fair, I think. Ten bob a week because he's the son of Dan Taylor? Did I ever ask for a favor because I'm the son of my father? He won't get favors. Oh, I'll see to that, never you fear. Look in on the girls, would you, Mr. Brown? I am a little tired. I will. Put the money in the cupboard and get on with you. Is that you, Father? It is. And why aren't you asleep like your sisters? I've been riding my horse. Oh, you're a sweet one, Pie. Easy now, easy boy. What's this pie business? A new horse? Oh, he's the loveliest thing, Father. He belongs to Mr. E. Oh, you should see him. Now calm yourself or you'll be losing your supper again. I'll take Jacob Dog for a walk. Good night, Father. Come on, Pie. Straight down the road now. Faster, boy. Faster, my lovely. 
Come in. I'm glad you're not asleep, Mother. What's disturbing you, Velvet? You're all lighted up. Mother, did you know my tailor's father? Perhaps when you were a swimmer? When you were having your pictures in the paper? Way back, I mean. Way back. Do you know how I came to swim the channel? Was my tailor's father showed me how. His father? He was my trainer. It was he told me what to do. Freed the spirit in me. Made me do it when I was ready to give up. Why didn't you tell my about his father? It isn't the time for it. There's a right time for everything. But he'd be so happy, Mother. It'd give him something to go on with. He needn't go. Mother! It's not charity. He'll work his way. Oh, I know he will, Mother. May I go and tell him? Tell him he can stay, but no more. We'll not let him trade on his father's name. If this stuff is there, it'll show. room's a little shabby, but, but you can I, uh, and... I haven't said I was staying. Oh. No, I'm, uh, I'm considering. Don't you think you'd be happy here? Hmm, it isn't the happiness I'm considering. It's what it'll get me. It's for the lack of considering that people stay poor. Have you ever been quiet for a few hours and, and just think? Oh, all the time. All the time about horses. Hmm, you've got a horse right in this barn. Miss Ada... She pulls the delivery card. Don't you love horses, Mai? I hate them. I don't believe it. You know too much about them. I can tell. That's when you really hate something. When you know too much about it. But you will stay here, won't you, Mai? I... I'll stay. Mai. What is it? You'll have to get over your hate of horses. Why? Because I love them so. Every night I pray to God to give me horses, wonderful horses, and to let me be the best rider in England. She went back into the house, and later when the lights were all out, I went back to the house too, and I put back in the cupboard 12 pounds I had stolen. <laughs> I would stay for a while in Sewell's and be a butcher's boy. Lad. Scrub down the chopping blocks. They're all scrubs, sir. Uh, oh. What's the boy to do now, Mrs. Brown? There's Mr. Ede's order, and Velvet's brought the card. Oh, you know the Ede farm boy? I'll show him, Father. Nonsense. He must learn by himself. Oh, please, Father. There's the road to Ede's and the road to Chopper's. Oh, it's very confusing. The ride will do her good, Mr. Brown. Sharpen her appetite. Oh, yes, Father. Sharpen my appetite. Well, what are you waiting for, boy? Oh. Take the meat and go. I, yes, sir. Mrs. Brown, now mind you, I'm not against this tailor lad. But not for him. Well, now you'll allow that tramping the road's not a proper upbringing. And would you guarantee there wasn't a bit of lying and sharp dealing about him? I guarantee there is. But what's the meaning of goodness if there isn't a little badness to overcome? Uh, yes, Mrs. Brown. <laughs> Did you have to bring your dog along, too? Oh, but Jacob loves to ride in the car. Don't you, Jacob? Don't you think I know why you wanted to come out here? <laughs> there's Ede's pasture, and there's Ede's horse. Yes, there's Pie. My, what have horses ever done to you? Nothing. 
There's got to be a reason. All right, all right. I took a spill once. You'd hate him, too, if you had any sense. What's a horse? An animal that earns his keep by breaking his neck. I'm a horse, and I'll be one till I use my head again. My, would you mind? Oh, all right, all right. Go on, look at him if you want to. I do want to. He's so beautiful. Jacob. Jacob. Jacob, come back here, Jacob. Ma, he's going in the pasture. He's chasing after pie. Jacob, Jacob. What kind of a horse is that letting a dog scare him? He's running away again. Pie. That's him go. Stonewall will stop him. He's running right for it. He didn't do it. I don't believe it. He didn't. Didn't? Didn't do what? That, that, that wall. He, he jumped that wall. Give me, give me that cord. What cord? From that meat parcel. Hurry up. I, I've got to measure something. I don't know why you want to measure Mr. Reed's wall, my. I'll tell you why. Do you know what that crazy horse did? When he jumped over that wall, he leaped Beecher's Brook. He did? Yes. But he's gone, my. We've got to find him. He's Ede's horse. Let Ede find him. My, what's Beecher's Brook? Did you ever hear of a race course called Aintree? Aintree? Uh, forget it. It never happened at all. Forget I ever mentioned it. Mr. Reed found his crazy horse. And being a man of wisdom, he set about getting rid of him. Next morning in the window of the butcher shop was hung a big sign. They're rattling him, Mother. Mr. Reed's horse, the pie, they're rattling him. When is the raffle, Mr. Brown? Saturday next, in the shop. In the shop? Well, Mr. Reed asked for it as a special favor. Well, you shouldn't have left me here along with him so long. Father, is it really true? Could Mr. Reed's horse be won for a shilling? Well, if you won, you'd lose. What good is the brute? Oh, do take us some tickets, won't you? Didn't you hear what I just said? You won't have to buy raffle tickets, Mr. Brown. I'll get them. Uh, what's that? Here. Four shillings... One for each of the girls, and here, one for Donald. <laughs> Boy, uh, are you challenging my authority in this family? No, sir. I'm buying raffle tickets, that's all. You'll have to choose your own numbers, girls. Oh, my, you're wonderful. <laughs> 62. 62. I'll take 62. We'll get the tickets after lunch and, and pin them in the Bible. Oh, oh, Boy, it's one thing to outthink a man but quite another to outsmart him. And who will say which is which, Mr. Brown? Eat your lunch, girls. Eat. Well, hello, Velvet. Hello, Mr. Hallam. Nice of your father to help Mr. Reed with the raffle. I hear you've been saying you're going to win. Oh, of course I'm to win. And what's the lucky number? 62. Number 62. There's ways of arranging it, and your father's a clever man, eh? Oh, I didn't bother him, Mr. Hallam. I just arranged it with God. And we're all gathered. I'll ask my friend Mr. Brown to reach in the fishbowl and determine who's to take home that handsome gelding for the price of a shilling. Look out, the winning number doesn't stick to Mr. Brown's fingers. What's that you imply, Mr. Hallam? I imply there's some here that feels the horse has already won. Oh, Aye, you there's your daughter. So, there's your daughter, Velvet, been telling the village the horse is as good as hers. Come here, Hallam. I said come here. Well, put your hand in the box and pick the number yourself. I refuse and you can't make me. I can break your head. Look lively, Mr. Holland. Pick a number. Oh, all right, I will. Now draw it out. Come on, what is it? What is it? The winning number is 113. Mr. Brown! Mr. Brown! 
It's velvet. What's that? Oh, What's the matter with her? I fainted. She had Mr. Brown fainted right away. I'm sorry I fainted, Mother. It's all right, dear. Just lie still a while. Sometimes it frightens me. What, dear? The things I see. I see things as big as life, and I, I think they're real. Like right now. What do you see now? Out of the window. The whole village coming here. And they're bringing me the pie. I suppose it's because I wanted him so much. Don't fret, girl. If you see things that way, you'll... Velvet, look. It is the whole village. You've won him, girl. The horse is yours. The pie? He, he's mine, but... <laughs> Mr. Hallam drew a number that hadn't been sold. So we had to start all over again, and out came 62. Father. Oh, the old fool was fit to die. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so pleased. Saddled with a crazy horse I don't need. And if there isn't enough trouble in the world, you people arrange to draw it out of a fishbowl. My, come in here. You're supposed to be resting, though. My, what's Beecher's Brook at Pie leaped over? Beecher's Brook is the sixth jump of the Grand National Dame Tree. The greatest horse race in the world. Now, don't go floating around. Just lie down there. Your ma will blame me. My, would you do something for me? What? Just walk pie up and down under the window. And have you fainting again? No, no. Cross my heart, my. I'll just shut my eyes and listen. Hup! Hup! Boy, come on, pie. Now she's listening to you. Hup there. Hup! Look alive. That's it, pie. Faster. Oh, you're a sweet one, Pie. Now then, here's a jump. Easy there. Oh, well done, Pie. Come on now. Faster. Faster. Faster, boy. In, uh, in just a moment, we'll bring you Act Two of National Velvet, starring Mickey Rooney, Elizabeth Taylor, and Donald Crisp. Winning a horse in a raffle is one thing. Keeping that horse is another. It was Mr. Brown who was all for making the pie earn his oats. But the pie was not born for work. Smashed the cart and scared half the village out of a year's growth before I had him back in his stall again. I'm frightened, my Father said he'd sell the pie for cat's meat. If anybody sells the pie, I might as well die. No, no, no. I, I don't think he meant it. Oh, he couldn't. The pie's too wonderful and noble and great. Greatly crazy. My, that stone fence you said was tallest beaches, Brooke. Eh? Three times this morning this pie sailed over it. Oh, I ought to be whipped for even mentioning Beecher's Brook. You'll talk and dream of it until I get sacked. My, uh, could the pie win the Grand National? Oh, who do you think you are? I'm the owner of the pie. And does that give you leave to think you could take the richest, grandest prize a horse ever won? Why, that's for kings, and you're just a wisp of a butcher's daughter who should be playing with a dolly. The pie's a king. A king without money or a jockey or a trainer, and your pa wanting to chop him up for cat's meat. But if we had the money and you were the trainer, would you know where to find the jockey? <laughs> Look at you. It's like your ma says, all lighted up. There's something terrible you've done, Velvet, I feel it. Answer me, ma. Without all the other ifs, yes, I could get a jockey. Would it be Weatherby's in London where the horses are entered for the Grand National? Would this be the kind of letter to send to Weatherby? 
Give me that letter. You're not sending it, Velvet. <laughs> but I did, last week. And they've answered me. You'll have to help me fill in the entry blank. Did they also tell you you'd need a hundred pounds to enter? Oh, we'll come to that later. Velvet, do you know what you're bringing on yourself with this craziness? To get him fit. You'll be riding, riding, over fences and ditches and high stone walls till you're weary and worn to a shadow. And for what? Tell me that. For what? It's his chance to be great. It's for the glory of it for him. It's your chance too, mine. My chance will come when your pa sends me packing. Now leave me alone. The Grand National. My, did you put Velvet up to this? It's me that said it was folly, ma'am. A hundred pound standard, jockey fees, money for a horse van. And all folly for nothing. The horse is not good enough? It's a score of things. Thirty jumps, ma'am. The hardest course in the world. Training a month on month. It'd be folly for nothing. Tell me, my... Uh, What's wrong with folly? Well, uh... <clears throat> Velvet, come with me. There's an old scrapbook in the trunk in the attic. I think it's time to look at it. Your scrapbook, Mother. Pictures of you swimming. Velvet, my spoke of a jockey fee. Doesn't he ride? Did. Had a spill once, though. I nearly drowned once, but I went back to swimming the very next day. Velvet, this picture here, this man was my father... My father? Yes, my trainer. There was greatness in him. In you, too. Often I just sit and wonder about you. You don't think like the rest of us, Mother. You think here, way in the back of your head. And I've watched you do the same. We're alike, Velvet. I, too, believe that everyone should have a chance at breathtaking piece of folly once in his life. I was 20 when they said I couldn't swim the channel. You're 12... You think a horse of yours can win the Grand National? Your dream has come early. Yes, Mother. Here's something else in the trunk. A bag filled with gold sovereigns. Mother, your prize money for swimming the channel. And there's a little more somewhere, paper money. But this will be for your entry fee. Gold sovereigns for luck. Oh, Mother. Mother. We'll win for you, Mother. We will. Win or lose. It's how you take it that counts. And knowing when it's time to go on to the next thing. The next thing? There's a time for everything, Velvet. For having a horse in the Grand National. For being in love. Yes, even for dying. All in proper order at the proper time. Mother, who... Who's going to tell Father? I'll do the telling. I don't think your father believes too well in the importance of folly. So it was, I took my clean collar off the nail and I packed my bag and into it went a heavy sack filled with shining gold sovereigns. <laughs> I'd soon be off to London, to Weatherby's, making an entry in the Grand National. I'll be off with you, my. Good luck. Thanks to you, ma'am. Goodbye, Mr. Brown. My lads, you can't say that your big chance did not come to you in the village of Sewell's, going to London with a hundred pounds in your pocket. Mrs. Brown wishes you good luck. I wish you a good time. Ah, uh, yes, sir. What did you mean by that? A good time? How many mutton shops make up a hundred pounds? How many thousand? Making calculations, Mr. Brown? I am. 
And I'll lay my two ears on this chopping block if you ever see the color of your sovereigns again. Or the hide of Master Taylor this side of Doomsday. There was someone in London I knew. Name of Greenford, an agent he was for jockeys. We met at a pub and the mugs of beer that sloshed our table were large and many. But why didn't you go to Manchester to find a rider? Why Manchester? Because that's where you used to ride, wasn't it, lad? Now, what's your game? I I told you, I got papers for Weatherby's. Likewise, the entry fee, but I got no jockey. Entering a horse what never ran anywhere? (laughs) Why don't you take your hundred quid and throw it in the River Thames? Well, because it ain't mine to fling. That horse ain't going to win the national and you know it. Sure, I know it, I know, but what can I do? You can use your wits. Uh, the horse that's taking the Grand National is being quoted now at 40 to 1. That's 4,000 pounds, Mr. 4, Taylor, pounds. for the man who wages a measly hundred. 4,000 4, 4, pounds? And all I ask is a little commission for placing the bet. Well, what'll I tell him in Sewell's? Tell him you met a tart like me in a pub and yeah. I pinched it off you. Yeah. And the day after Aintree, you come back to London and <laughs> live like quality the rest of your days. <laughs> now, where's that hundred yeah. quid? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Golden yeah. sovereigns, yeah. eh? Uh, here, here. What's this? Off a crown? You got this bag watered? She, she gave me that to spend. Saved it. She was glad to give it to me. Oh, lady, sweet on you, is she, Asky Lady? Not old, not old. Not sweet on me. Just trust me. Trust me. Give me that bag. Hold on now, lady. Uh, Drunk I am, but not so drunk as you think. Thief I've been, too. But it's not in my books, Mr. Greenford. What ain't? Stealing on Wednesday. Thanks for the beer. I'm late for work. Well, back so soon, Mr. Taylor. I hope you took me at my word and had a right good time. Here, here's your receipt for your money at Weatherby's. And you get five pounds change. What's that? I'll be back at work as soon as I change my clothes. Yesterday you calculated how many mutton chops made a hundred sovereigns, Mr. Brown. Uh, today I'll calculate in mutton head. I made a mistake. No need for too much humility. A little from you goes a long way. What happened in London? Tell me, my, did you find a jockey? No. And be grateful for what you have, Velvet. I can't help it. I want it all quickly because I don't want God to stop and think and wonder if I'm getting more than my share. The jockey will have to wait. There's lots of agents in London. I'll write some letters for you, but that's all. You've bit off a big piece of dream for yourself, and now it's all your own show, Velvet. My, I can't do it without you. The National's no business of mine. Your pa won't stand for me chasing about with a racehorse. But it's you knows what to do and how to train him. Half the pie's in my heart, and half's in yours. I I swear by the pie that whatever he wins, half is yours. (laughs) Thanks. I'll buy me a bowler hat with my half. A castle with your half, my. The pie's going to win. (laughs) Half... Half the sweeps, eh? Man could get a real start. Buy a livery stable in a lively little town. Drop anchor, raise some young'uns like Donald. All right, all right, you've got a deal. Shake hands on it? Shake hands. You dream of glory for your pie. As for me, I'll take the cash. Now, come here. Come here, I've got something to show you. A map? Yeah. Now, this here's a map of the course at Aintree. 
Twice around the course they go. That's 30 jumps in all. It's mostly a job of training them to jump and jump and keep on going. That's the first five jumps here are thorn hedges. We can teach the pie on the fences over by Mr. Eads. Now, the third jump here, this one, there's a ditch on the takeoff side. I can dig him one, and then there's a guard. Faster, Velvet, faster! He's got a ditch to clear. Steady now! Steady, girl! That's it! That's it! Turn him around and try it again! Lift his head! Keep it that way now! Beecher's Brook. There's a bad drop on the landing side, see? But if we take him over the wall often enough, it might not scare him so much. Go ahead now, be careful. Don't jerk his head. I know. I just sit still as a dummy and let him handle it. Watch. Fast it fair, Velvet! Fast it fair once again now, once again now, girl! What are you waiting for? Try it again. Velvet. Velvet, what's the matter? Nothing, Ma. I, I just get excited. I can't... Oh, oh then stop getting excited. Do it again. Yes, Ma. I'm ready. Oh, isn't he wonderful, Ma? Isn't he lovely? That's how it went. Week after week, whenever we had a few moments together. Velvet from school, me from the shop, running and jumping, jumping and running. She in the saddle and me telling her what to do, as best I knew. And then, one afternoon, deep in winter, she comes rushing into the stable, thinking Pie and me'd be ready for her. But we aren't ready. Pie is down on the stable floor, shaking and wheezing, sick unto death he is. What is it, Mike? What's wrong with him? I don't know. Pneumonia, I guess. Tell me. Tell me what hurt. Is it very bad, Pot? I'll get a vet. No. No vet. There isn't a good one in town. My, please. You can help him. He's ours, my. Would, would you trust me, Velvet? I'm... I'm not very lucky. I, I might guess wrong. But would you trust me? Yes. You won't hurt him more than me. All right, then. Get some blankets. Get some whiskey. Hot water. Hurry, Velvet. We don't have much time. Uh, so tragedy stalks our house, does it? It's late, Mr. Brown. Better go to bed. But I'm not going to bed. Don't you think Velvet will catch her death out there in the stables? It's not to be helped. She's beside herself. You need your sleep, Mr. Brown. When tragedy stalks the house once in ten years, I can stay up. I haven't set up so late since Donald arrived, which, of course, was just before the dawn. I'll have some tea. Speaking of Donald, look, the stairs. I sleep too much, Mama. I'll decide that. Back to bed. Is the child in the habit of coming down at this hour? You heard your mother. Back to bed. I'll only fall asleep, Papa. That is the general purpose and intention. I've been sick all night. You haven't. Why haven't I? Now, don't let him start whying. You changed my sheets in the middle of the night, and the new ones were cold. I changed your sheets for a very good reason, young man. Now get on up. <laughs> oh, all right. I must have been sick all night long. My? Oh. Yes? Come in, lad. You're cold. A drop of tea. Thank you, ma'am. Do you mind if I have a little tea also? Oh, yes. 
I'm sorry, sir. Uh, never mind. I can wait here. Give me your cup. Any change? No. Are you worried about the animal? Well, he's sick. And I wouldn't be surprised if you and Mrs. Brown were sick, too. Matter of a cool hundred pounds with those racing people. What are you going to do? Take the carcass to London and demand a refund? We're not thinking about the money, Mr. Brown. <clears throat> oh, no, not you, Mrs. Brown. You're a woman of deep feeling and faith. I mean, Master Taylor's half interest in the winnings. Mr. Brown, remember once you entered a spelling competition for five shillings? Was it love of spelling or the love of five shillings? Oh, now, now, that was entirely different, Mrs. Brown. It was the love of five shillings. Don't be ashamed of it. Sometimes even money can be a faith. I, I'd, I'd better get back to the bar. Yes, you had. And you'd better get up to bed, Mr. Brown. It's close to five o'clock. And what about you? I'm knitting. In time of crisis, the head of the house should not be found sleeping in bed. I'm staying up, Mrs. Brown, if it takes all week. Mother, father, it's fine. He's all right. He's fine. Steady, child, steady. My cured him. He's on his feet again. There, the horse is up and you'll be down. You haven't eaten, haven't slept. Is it fair to impose illness on the household? Oh, I won't be ill, father. I could sit up a thousand nights. I... Look. Look what time it is. Three and one half minutes from eight o'clock in the morning. I'll be late for school. Goodbye, Mother. Goodbye, Father. Are you permitting that child to go to school? I like the spirit that makes her want to go after sitting up all night. But she'll collapse by afternoon. She'll be home in half an hour. What? This is Saturday, Mr. Brown. There is no school. Well, bless me, so it is. And so was the pie cured and came by his strength, which he'd sorely need. For it's twice around the course at Aintree and 30 jumps in the greatest race a horse can run in all this world. for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. came a day when I stopped training the horse, and Velvet stopped riding him, and that was the day before we left for Aintree. That night, Mr. H stopped by the house. And what time will you be leaving, Mr. Brown? Oh, I'm not crazy, man. I'm staying home where I belong. It's Velvet and Master Taylor and the horse, in a hired van at five o'clock tomorrow morning. Boy, got a jockey yet to ride the brute? We're meeting one there tomorrow, name of Ivan Tasky, sir. In that case, I've a pound note to wager... Here you are, lad, to win. That's a pound wasted. I'll put it in the book with the other bets, Mr. Eat. Other bets? You're the tenth man here today, Mr. Eat. Eleventh. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Brown, eleventh. It's bad enough to see this family wasting its money, but when I see the village of Sewells throwing good money after bad, it's enough to make me lose my faith in humanity. I'm glad to hear you've got faith in humanity, Mr. Brown. As for me, I'd sometimes sooner put my faith on a horse.
It's come, boy. The van for the horse is here. Uh, and Velvet? Saying goodbye to her mother. Ah. Oh. Uh, Master Taylor, I, uh, now, uh, uh, you'll understand, I, I'm not a frivolous man, but I'd like to risk a couple of pounds. Put it on the pie for me. <laughs> yes, sir. And, uh, uh, you know, I'll not be angry if you say nothing about it to the missus. No, no. <laughs> Good luck, boy. Thank you, sir. What's the jockey's name again, Mike? Ivan Tasky. Now get some sleep, Velvet. We've got a long way ahead of us. Mike. Do you think he'll like the pie, Mr. Tasky? He'll like him all right. How do we know these jockey clothes are going to fit him? All jockeys are the same size, same brain, same vision. Seeing the world from the height of a horse. And what's that you're doing? Taking my braces off. I told your mother I'd take care of you, Velvet. Oh, just this once, my. I've got all the rest of my life to wear them. All right. But get some sleep. We'll be meeting Tasky first thing in the morning. <laughs> More coffee, Mr. Tasky. No, no thanks. So, this is Miss Brown. Such a little girl. Her money's as good as anybody's. And wait till you see the pie. He's a real horse, Mr. Tasky. Well, He's... what does it matter? Tomorrow I ride him, tomorrow night I go back to Paris. Uh... <laughs> Such a little girl. Only in England can it happen that a child brings a plow horse from the field. He's not a plow horse, Mr. Tasky. We'll take you to see the pie now, Mr. Tasky. Once you see no. him, you'll realize what... You are serious? Well, why not? Say hello. Get the feel of him. Shake his get hand. A... Give him calling card. Make ball. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it is foolish. It'd be just as foolish for Mr. Tasky to ride him. Velvet, velvet. The little girl does not like me? You may be a fine rider, Mr. Tasky, but the pie would know your heart's not in it. He would know you don't believe in him. Mr. Taylor, uh, what do you call her? Uh, crazy, eh? No. No, no, Mr. Tasky, truthful. Come on, Velvet, let's go back to the van. I'll try and find us another jockey. Thank you, Mike. Mike, is that yes. you? Yes. Oh, I didn't mean to be so late. I've been looking everywhere. No luck? No. Tried everything. Asked everybody. There'll be no race tomorrow for the pie. Searching for weeks for a rider, and then you say, No, thank you, Mr. Tasky. Goodbye. But, Mike, he just didn't believe. He's a rider. He's a rider. Things happen in a race, Velvet. Not with the pie. He'd know. My, why don't you ride him yourself? Do you want to know why? I'll tell you why. It's been going around in my mind all night. Sure, sure I was a jockey once. And one fine day I rode at Manchester. There were three of us going for the final jump together. And I saw a chance to win and I took it. It was me that did it. There was a tangle of reins and horses and jockeys. And one of the jockeys got killed. That's why I don't ride anymore, because I'm afraid. I'm all soft and yellow inside, so I don't ride. That's why I'm no good to you when you need me the most. Oh, no, no, Mike. It's you that kept me going. There's greatness in you, Mike. No, there's, there's nothing in me. Oh, no, Mike. No. <laughs> I, I left her there crying. And late that night, after she had gone to bed, I came back for the pie and I led him over to the course. Dark it was, save for the stars. But the horse was deserving to see something of all he was going to miss. 
If I wasn't a yellow coward, I'd ride you myself, Pie. But you wouldn't know me, would you? I've never been up there in your back. She's been the only one. Except... Except if I... If I get on your back now. If I gave you the chance to learn the weight of me. Pie. Pie, I'm doing it. I'm getting up in the saddle. Go on, throw me. I dare you, throw me. Ah! Ah, that's it, Pie. Straight down the course. Get a good look at it now. Tomorrow you'll not have a chance. Or we'll be flying down here like the devil himself was on our heels. And up there in the stands, the king and queen will be watching us. Breeze around, Pie. Ha! Ah! I came back to the van. I'd wake her up and tell her, tell her how I'd ride the pie myself, that I, I wasn't yellow anymore, that I'd do this thing she wanted so badly. But when I got to the van, the lamp was lit and there was velvet. Wearing the jockey silks, her mind. Look, my, look. They fit me. They fit fine. Well, what in the name of all that's crazy? The pie's going to raise my, and I'm going to ride him. They'll never know I'm a girl. If you cut my hair, I'll be exactly right. And get your silly little neck exactly broken. Forty horses and riders ready to trample you over. I'll not let you do it, Velvet. Oh, please, my, Besides, besides, there's no need for it. Suppose, Velvet, suppose I told you that that just now, just now tonight, I I found us a rider. I should still want to ride him myself. My, I know you're angry, but you'll understand. If you ever rode a horse again... You'd want to win. That's how I feel. So, now it's the glory of winning you want for yourself, is that it? Yes. Well, perhaps you're right. Perhaps that's what I'd want if I'd ever ride again. All right. All right, he's yours. Oh, my. I knew you'd see. Uh, I knew you'd All right, now, hold hold on, hold on. There's a lot of things we have to do. One chance in a hundred that will fool them. My hair... What? Here, my scissors. Go ahead and, and short at the back now. Short. Oh, Velvet. I wish your mother were here. She is here. She's inside me. You'll be disqualified at the end when they find you're a girl. You'll have to forfeit the prize money. They may even send you to prison for fraud. But if there's trouble, you tell them it was me that did it. You understand? It was me that put you up to it. There won't be any trouble, Ma. Now, now listen. There's a lot of tricks you'll have to learn. It's, when it's you no st- use, mine. Well, girl, do you think a race like this is won by luck? No. It's won by knowing the pie can win and telling him so. How do I tell of the race that was run the next day? Of 40 horses and 40 riders flying down the straightaways, soaring over the jumps, the pounding of the hoops, and the shouting of the jockeys and the whole wild delirium of it all. 40 it was that started... But not a dozen were left for the finish. And me too scared to look at the jumps for fear she'd be the next one down. But the jumps are behind now, and down the stretch they come. And she's still up and snug and maybe even gay. I stood there. My head fair bursting. She couldn't have won. 
But what my brain could not believe, my own eyes saw. They saw the pie in front and going away. And then it happened. She just seemed to melt from the saddle. And there she was on the ground. And the next thing I knew, I was pounding on the door at the track hospital. What happened to her, sir? What happened to her? Is she all right? She only fainted exhausted. Oh, I... She? How did you know? Here, what do you know about... What do you know about her? I want to repeat that, ladies and gentlemen. Just as the pie passed the post, the rider fell to the ground. This is an infraction of the rules. The winning jockey must not dismount until he reaches the enclosure. Therefore, the stewards have ruled that... Oh, just a moment, please. A note has just been handed me. I... Ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. The bandy-legged outsider that streaked across the finish line a few moments ago, the winner of this greatest waste in custom, was ridden by a girl. A girl, ladies and gentlemen. And now, and now the green flag is going up. The pie has been disqualified. Ebony Star is the winner, Blue Tommy second, and Faithful Land let her out of the hospital. But it was hours before we got away. Reporters, policemen, celebrities, questions, cheers, and, and glory. And the same all over again when the van stopped in the village of Sioux. Mother! Father! We won! We won! Are you all right, girl? Are you all right? Oh, yes, yes, Father. Mother, were we the best in the world? Yes, Velvet. The best in the world. I say, Brown, what's the bow tie for? For Lord Darby wears a bow tie. She's got a couple of champion racehorses, too. And her daughter, has he, is going to prison for fraud? If you heard the wireless, Mr. Hallam, you know there won't be any charges. Englishmen treat their heroes better than that. They were satisfied to disqualify Velvet and the horse. Ah, and made her forfeit all the money? Would you expect them to be both forgiving and generous? Fetch your daughter. Come on, Mrs. Brown. Come on home. Telegrams, cablegrams, letters. The music halls want you, Velvet. The American cinema, there's a fortune of money in this. Yes, Father. Ah, they want you and the horse to go to America and act in the cinema. But I told you, Father. I can't drag the pie about for people to stare at. Mother, I can't. It's your father talking to you, dear. If you had seen what he did for me. He burst himself for me. And would it burst your own childish heart to stare at an account of 5,000 pounds in a good bank? I can't help it, Father. I'd sooner have that horse happy than go to heaven. Velvet, run along, dear. Change your dress. Well, your mother said to run along. Yes, Father. Now, Mrs. Brown, I put it to you calmly. Is that a good reason for throwing away a fortune? Unwilling for people to stare at a horse? There'll be a dispute till the end of time, Mr. Brown. Whether it's better to do the right thing for the wrong reason, or the wrong thing for the right reason. Where are you going? Oh, telegrams, cablegrams, and letters. Into the fire. Into the fire with every last one of them. Sorry you find me packing, Mr. Brown. I meant to leave without any goodbyes. I'd uh, left a note, you know. Uh, you're taking to the empty roads again? But why, boy, and where? My father gave me every road in the kingdom, and now I'm ready to look them over, sir. I don't understand you. And then perhaps I do. Perhaps you're right, Mike. 
that's the first time you ever called me my. I get your meaning. But there's character to be considered when a man takes a stranger under his roof. Rightly so. Uh, but I've been wrong, and I'm sorry. To be frank, I thought you'd steal that hundred sovereigns. To be frank, I nearly did. But what kept you from it? I don't know, the pie, perhaps maybe it was Donald or Mrs. Brown. Perhaps it was Velvet, I, I don't know. Does Velvet know you're going? I told her someday I'd be leaving. I, I, I don't like goodbyes, Mr. Brown. Give me your hand, mine. Thank you. Would you say goodbye to Velvet for me? Uh, and Mrs. Brown. She's a fine woman, sir, but I, I don't have to tell you that. There's nothing better I'd like than to go away with her thinking well of me. She does. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, Jacob Dog. Goodbye, sir. God bless you, lad. Jacob Dog, how can there be so many currents in such a little puddle? I know, Velvet. The world's opened up again for him. He'd shut himself away from it. He was angry with it. But that's over. I think he'll come back. That's what he said once. He said, only way to come back is to go. But, Mother, we've never told him what he wanted to know. His father. Remember, Mother, how we wouldn't tell him because it wasn't the right time. Shouldn't he know now, Mother? Yes, he should. He's earned it. Father. He can't be far up the road. The pie could find him, Velvet. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I'm obliged, Velvet. Obliged to you for telling me about my father. You'll stay now, Mike? No. But you'll come back someday. Please come back, Mike. I will, Velvet. I will. I'll be back. Goodbye, I'll Mike. I'll be back. Goodbye. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website, at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.